0: This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop it and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food, and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. You're listening to the John DePetro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePetro.com. So last night was a uh, wild scene in Central Falls. Um, we do have the video up on the website, DePetro.com. It's on YouTube, it's on Facebook. There was a double shooting right down the street from the police department. I mean, right down the street from the police department, Garfield in Central Falls, and it was a it was a very volatile situation. It was a homicide. There were two individuals in a white vehicle, and they were both shot. And the shell casings are just I, I counted twenty five. Um, and then it was uh it was a very um, combustible atmosphere to say the least as you know then it starts to set in that there's been a loss of life and the friends and family of the individual who lost his life were then uh very upset i'll i'll share with you there was a it was a very um it was a very dicey scene and um i want to thank the uh rhode island state police pataka police central falls police that uh actually had to uh, come to my aid to actually remove me from what um, very very quickly suddenly escalated into a a very difficult situation last night so but there was a homicide and I also want to credit Major Reed on the Central Falls Police Department was um, was terrific he was very very responsive Made himself available. Uh, a lot of times in those situations, it's been my experience in the past. Many times they don't say anything, uh, but but he did, you know, cheat, choose which I always think is better to say something. And although it's an ongoing investigation, at least just share with some of the information that they have. So, the video is up on uh, obviously Facebook. We did a Facebook on the scene live stream and then uh we'll also though we we then have it up on our youtube channel simply because i know not a lot of people are on it but folks it's another example that i just want to remind people that all of these shootings none of them seemingly are coming from legal gun owners you never hear really uh the advocates that talk about gun legislation they don't they have no plan to try to address all the unlawful weapons um governor mckee always leads the charge against the legal gun owners but I, unless i'm missing something i just never hear anything about the amount of uh, these ghost guns and illegal guns that make their way into uh different different places and end up with a lot of these shootings folks you're listening to the john petro show aj drywall plaster home improvement call them today for a free quote you can also find them on facebook 401-323-9252 323-9252 aj drywall plasters home improvement frame to finish basements what a difference it'll make in your basement acoustic ceilings look how beautiful your ceiling could be new homes additions also commercial rehabs painting remodeling contact them today it's a family-run business. AJ Drywall, Plaster, Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401 401- 323 323 9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. Remember to follow the John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free, it's the YouTube channel of the John DePietro Show folks you're listening to the john de show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's 13 a.m 1380 909.9 fm you can always listen online at the website petro.com time for our legal segment joining us right now he is our legal expert one of Rhode island's top legal minds and attorneys it's attorney tim dodd and tim um you know we've been talking quite a bit obviously uh about these various trump uh legal problems and trials there's there's something about this situation that came down with the indictments in uh in georgia and the uh the use of the rico the amount of people that are involved it's um it's it's certainly not something you see every day but there's just something about this that that sounds more perilous than than some of the other uh, legal problems that he's facing
1: the peril, I guess, if you're Donald Trump, is that this is currently a state case, not a federal case. So to play out the popular scenario, if he wins re-election, he could pardon himself from any of the federal offenses. He cannot pardon himself from a state charge or a state conviction or a state sentence. Um, that's one. Two, I mean, from a political perspective the optics are going to be bad because georgia is insisting that he's going to be processed like any other defendant he's going to be printed he's going to have his mugshot taken so obviously there's segments of the media that are gleefully anticipating a mugshot so they can you know run it 24/7 and his political opponents can you know crank out t-shirts uh, the okay. optics are going to be terrible for for President Trump. But separate from that, he and, what, 18 or 19 others have been charged under the RICO statute, which is yeah. perplexing. as As your listeners likely know, RICO stands for Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations. It's a federal statute. Um, which was designed largely to attack organized crime um, operations. Right. You know, crime families typically have disparate um, uh, methods of control and command. It's not like any normal, you know, business organization. And RICO was used successfully by the feds for the last what twenty or thirty years to um, cripple organized crime activities. Yeah. What anything that could have occurred between Donald Trump, his attorneys, his subordinates, it's really hard to to fit the allegations into the RICO sort of framework. It it's not a natural for this type of prosecution. Um you're gonna have what eighteen, nineteen defendants. This um Uh, district attorney or whatever she's called fanny willis is making public statements her intention is to try them all all defendants together (laughs) that's crazy
2: yeah
1: (laughs) it really is crazy now if the idea is to bog down a case which if there's 19 defendants plus lawyers plus judges plus jury plus court officers plus media um you would, it would take the convention center, literally, right. to try a case like this. Um, a question is asked. There's a witness on the stand. There could be 19 objections, objection, 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 because everyone's got a record to uh, protect for on behalf of their individual clients. Yeah. There'll be that many more motions, that many more briefs if the idea is to make this such a long, grinding trial that Donald Trump is pinned down and kept off of the campaign trail, um, I guess that's one way to look at it. But it seems to me that this is going to be a very unwieldy prosecution. A couple of other things which are in the legal realm, not the political realm, and I think certainly happens here is the prosecutor, Fannie Willis. She gets elected. She's yep. This is an elected position. Right. And she's up for election in, I guess, 2024. She's fundraising off of this thing. So is she politically motivated or legally motivated in bringing the charges that she's brought at this particular time? Uh, the timing is, if you're Trump, I guess the worst possible timing is, um, I'm not sure what facts have been developing over the last two years, which were not known. This is a very curious case that's had two, possibly three different grand juries. Now that the case, uh, in the the uh, indictment has been filed, the, George is unique. The case has now been assigned to the newest superior court judge. So the media is crowing about the fact, oh, he's a he was a... Um, Republican appointee. Okay. He was, I believe, appointed, I'm not sure if it was to fill um, the balance of um, of an unexpired term, but this judge who's going to be handling the Trump case has been a judge since December of 2022. So he's been a judge for eight months. And he also is now up for reelection in 2024. Judges in in Georgia are elected. Now, you know, critics can um, uh, point fingers at the way Rhode Island um, selects its judiciary through the judicial nomination process. You know, um, for certain, um, there's gotta be Senate confirmation, Senate vetting, and ultimately um, the governor has to pick and the Senate has to approve. Okay. That's a process that anyone can look at it and say, well, there's flaws in that system. I mean, I practice in all the courts, John, and whatever you think of the political um, thumb that might be on the scale of the selection process, at the end of the day, we get pretty good judges. They They really are pretty good judges, as faulty as the process might be. I'm much happier with this system. I would be very concerned if we had elected judges who had to campaign, who had to raise money, who had to stand before voters, and who might have their judicial decisions influenced by the fact they're going to stand election. So this judge who's going to be handling the Donald Trump um, matter, is he going to be free to call it as he sees it, or is he going to have one eye on the courtroom and another on the voting public, very treacherous for Donald Trump um, to be in that environment. Now, Mark Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff, has already, I think, very properly filed a motion to remove this case to federal court. I think the federal court would be a much more judicious forum to attempt to have this case tried it wouldn't be in the hands of this elected judge, you know, it would be out of the hands of this necessarily this prosecutor and it would be handled by federal prosecutors, much like in Rhode Island, John, um, look at the Buddy Cianci trial. Exactly. That was I was going to
0: get back to just uh, Tim Dodd, the element of the Rico case, which it does make it unique because it's, you know, and I've learned a lot by covering that, but it's it's basically an element of a of a criminal enterprise if if you know three or four guys decide they're going to get together rob a bank you know that that's that's one thing but what they're basically alleging is when it is or you know all the efforts are done and there's a, an actual chain of command much like you know the mob boss that instructs a uh, quote like a soldier to go down somewhere and take care of someone the mob boss isn't on the scene but he's instructing his underlings to commit the crimes i think that's the unique part about this that there it's not like someone's going to say no if they work for the person and the person's instructing them to you know carry out the act
1: right and in, in, in the cnc matter yes. um buddy was an elected official and his subordinates like Frank Carenti and David Eade and all these other players were all employed by the city. So they were all allegedly acting in their official capacity. Mark Meadows is saying, look, I was the chief of staff. Whatever I did was in the capacity as my job as chief of staff. Donald Trump could say actions that I took were in my capacity as president. Now, the question will be, did he take these actions as president or as a political candidate. That that gets to be a bit tricky, but I think a lot of these defendants could be properly trying to remove their case to federal court. Let's assume it did get removed to federal court, which is the more appropriate forum for a RICO prosecution. I guess if it's now a federal case, and I'm not that familiar with Georgia law, but if it's now a federal prosecution, federally tried in a federal court with a federal judge or federal prosecutors, would an adverse result be something Trump could pardon himself for? Right. The substantive law would be Georgia law, but the, the rules in the trial would be potentially federal. I would see that as a likely play that all, most, if not all, of these defendants might make down the line. For uh, Fannie Willis to, to boldly state she's going to try this case in uh, March of 2024 is preposterous. Even if there was no political overlay, and even if there wasn't the suspicion that this all these prosecutions are timed to interfere with the Republican primary season, even if you took all that away, and the defendants here were just guys and not political guys and not national figures... The prosecution has had two and a half years to put this case in front of the uh, grand jury two times to look at all the documents, listen to all the tapes, listen to all the conversations, um, all the witness statements. For a prosecution like this, and for the defense, excuse me, to have, what, maybe six months to get tuned up and to review all the massive amount of uh, material here and to delve into the unique um, legal theories that this case presents, it would be grossly unfair to Trump and any of the other defendants to have to try this case in March. This is unheard of that a case of this complexity would be pushed on such a fast track for apparently no other reason than to get the case tried and maybe get a guilty verdict before the general election, Uh, there's no other good reason for it. This is not a case that should be tried in six months. This is a case, usually the pretrial discovery and preparation and the various motions that would be made uh, could take a year, could take a year and a half easily. Uh, So, you know, it's just implausible that this case could be brought in front of a jury this quickly.
0: Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Legal expert attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DiPietro Show. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island. 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations. You can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today. 401 885 4209 three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they're going to serve you for a very long time they have a great user-friendly website you just log on at propaneplus.com and then you type in your zip code residential or commercial propane plus heating and cooling always there for you give them a call today in rhode island 401-885-4209 in massachusetts 508-252 3359 the johnson family three generations heating and cooling you can always depend on propane plus we're speaking with our legal expert it's attorney tim dot tim will stay on some of the national issues and uh it certainly seems that hunter biden uh could be headed to trial after his plea agreement fell apart
1: Well, yes, there's the three charges, which um, he is now pled not guilty because the plea deal fell apart. So he's got two um, tax issues, criminal uh, allegations, and one regarding um, a firearms um, issue. So with all of the shenanigans, which there's a specter of his involvement, if not yet total proof, He's only got these three relatively minor charges to deal with. Now, Merrick Garland has now appointed a special prosecutor to this case. The special prosecutor is David Weiss, who is the current U.S. attorney in, in, excuse me, not Georgia, Delaware. Um, Much is made, oh, David Weiss was a Trump appointee. Oh, he's a Trump guy. Well, I don't think he's a Trump guy, or I'm not sure what sort of a staff he's got and how answerable he is to Merrick Garland. But the plea deal that Weiss oversaw, which fell apart, would have had Hunter pleading guilty to these three charges, not getting any jail time. And the deal also would have absolved him and made him immune from possible prosecution, for any other matters where the potential for criminal charges uh, currently being investigated could occur. So for Hunter, this was the deal of the century. Um, I guess, fortunately, the judge who would, would have been the sentencing judge started to ask for more information. And both the prosecution and the defense had to fess up that there was more to this deal, proposed plea deal that anyone had any knowledge, and the judge wouldn't go for it. So now David Weiss, the same guy who brokers a deal that would have immunized Hunter from prosecution for anything but these three relatively minor charges, now he's going to be the tiger that's going to go investigate Hunter further regarding any of the um, allegations regarding money laundering and influence peddling vis-a-vis his father. This is the same guy who's blown statute of limitations on other potential criminal charges. The same guy who seemed uninterested in really going through Hunter's laptop, which was in the possession of the feds for what years before anything happened. Um, he doesn't seem to be a very zealous prosecutor in going after Hunter in the same way that, uh, Jack Smith has been zealously, beyond zealously, going after Donald Trump, rightly or wrongly. So the appointment of this special counsel, in my view, is putting a weak special counsel in charge of this process. Um, He doesn't seem like a very um, enthused choice to really dig in to see what's there with Hunter. And his appointment may well hinder Congress's investigation of Hunter Biden um, in making it more difficult for Congress to get material that now the feds are gonna say we can't release this material because it's part of our investigation. So I I think that this appointment is nothing that um, Hunter Biden should be afraid of. I think he's smiling today.
0: Folks, we're speaking with our legal expert. It's Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, closer to home, uh, Attorney uh, Peter Leach seemingly has uh, run into some problems, but I believe there's a, a plea change, and I believe the information we have that, that um, he's going to you know, plead guilty and take responsibility for some of his acts. But what, what can you tell us about Attorney Peter Leach case? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. You know, anytime a lawyer gets jammed up like this, it reflects poorly on the profession, but these are thankfully rare occasions where these types of things occur. Um, there's another lawyer just to compare who got jammed up for, I think he stole $35,000 from an estate. He's been disbarred. He's acknowledged, you know, his guilt. Um, I'm not, I didn't know that guy, um, didn't know what his practice was. He seemed to to acknowledge in the media that he didn't have a particularly successful practice. He did a lot of cases pro bono, meaning for free, um, which is very admirable. But I don't think he would be in the uh, upper echelon of successful lawyers, with all due respect. Peter Leach, on the other hand, was a very good lawyer. I mean, he did some bad things here but he's a very smart very competent very skilled lawyer he had a very successful personal injury practice he handled a lot of big cases he got a lot of big money settlements but i think that the lifestyle that he wished for himself yeah. and the expenses that he was incurring outpaced his ability to earn fees from his legal practice so, as attorneys have done from time to time, you start to potentially dip into your client's account, which is completely wrong. There's allegations that he might have signed his client's name to settlement checks, which is entirely wrong. Um, there's allegations that money that he took from clients and didn't let clients know that their cases had settled, he took the money. And thereafter did not report it as income. So that creates IRS problems. So he's got problems with the money he took from clients. He's got problems with the IRS because he underreported his income. Cause obviously he wasn't reporting the income that he took, which was otherwise rightfully for his clients. This case has been ongoing since I believe perhaps 2019, 2020. Yeah. Right. Um, it's been very quiet. I mean, we all as lawyers knew that something was up with him. He has been suspended since, I believe, 2019 from the practice of law. In this apparent plea deal, he's acknowledged admitted guilt um, in the federal system where this case lies, taking responsibility, acknowledging guilt. You know, there's a restitution component, not making the government go through a trial. Um, accepting responsibility are all factors when it comes to sentencing, which are, if you will, mitigating factors, which will lessen whatever potential um, jail time he might be um, exposed to. In a case like this, could this be a potential jail case? Sure, Um, can I predict what kind of time he might get? It's hard to predict because we don't yet know what has been worked out in terms of this uh, plea bargain. It's certainly worthy of jail, but potentially his cooperation, his potential, I'm not sure if he's made restitution, could be mitigating factors that save him from jail altogether or at least potentially would shorten any exposure he has to actually serve time in jail. But, you know, his life has been... Um, ruined upended you know whatever you want to say and you know he sometimes guys get jammed up for different reasons drugs alcohol gambling Uh, I'm not sure if any of that was part of Peter's situation Um, I know that he lived large um, and um, one would have thought that he was certainly earning the fees to support his large lifestyle and apparently that was some in some portions true and in some portions an illusion that was bankrolled with clients money and that's the sad reality
0: folks quick break much more ahead legal expert attorney tim dodd right here on the john DePietro show get your driveway paved g Perry Paving. Letter J, J Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401 732 1730. J Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand-new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730 what a difference it makes for your driveway for your business parking lot j letter j j perry paving 401-732-1730 online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on facebook we're speaking with our legal expert it's attorney tim dot tim it was last year over victory day that uh was very hot i think it was 100 degrees over that and uh block island had ballads had they called it a reggae festival and it turned into a huge ruckus first of all it was a problem on the island and then it spilled over onto the ferry and suddenly this week before one year anniversary of it now some people are actually seemingly banding together what can you tell us about this lawsuit regarding this that ballads reggae festival
1: It's a somewhat novel lawsuit. It's a lawsuit that's been brought against Ballard's and the ferry service. Um, In the main, it's a complaint alleging negligence. Um, Negligence on the part of Ballard's. uh, This was, a, as you say, a very hot weekend. Ballard's is a place where there's apparently, from what I understand, um, lots of drinking that goes on. It was a free uh, reggae festival. It brought in way more people than I guess were expected. Um, Ballards had insufficient staff. They had insufficient allegedly, allegedly insufficient security, um, insufficient policing of what was going on, insufficient perhaps police presence or other you know security. So things got out of hand at Ballard's. There were fights, people allegedly had weapons, they allegedly had knives, allegedly had guns, and it turned into a real uh, disaster. So now the festival ends, there's lots of potentially drunk and very angry people all looking to leave Ballard's and leave the island. Um, The ferry was uh, overloaded, couldn't handle all the passengers wanting off the island. I'm sure the islanders wanted these people the hell off their island. (laughs) So a second ferry comes unscheduled to try to get people off of the island. That ferry is allegedly understaffed with inexperienced employees, insufficient security, insufficient employees, A lot of these rowdy people allegedly get onto this second ferry and continue the fighting and the allegations of weapons being shown or utilized, um, fights occurring, blood everywhere, (laughs) a real disaster. And there's families on there. Apparently one little boy says to his mother, mama, we all going to die because it was, I mean, it's not funny. It was, I guess, a very harrowing, Um, trip from island back to the mainland to the point that i guess there were reports from the ship we need help and there was a police dispatch (laughs) that basically um commandeered the vessel and brought in the police presence to calm things down those individuals who are suing weren't necessarily injured perhaps some were injured um not not intentionally, but injured in the ruckus getting jostled around. Some are claiming um, psychological injuries from being in the zone of danger of the mayhem that was ensuing and has legitimately brought a case against Ballard's and against the um, ferry service. Question will be, what's the individual value, monetary value of each plaintiff's claims? But if you take potentially some claims for actual physical injuries and other claims for psychological injuries um, times the number of people complaining, it could be a pretty significant case.
0: Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. And Tim, the uh, legal efforts regarding the board of elections and Sabina Matos continues. Now it's two parallel. One, (laughs) we have the attorney general and you have the state police conducting their investigation. They're seemingly quiet with that. But then we also have the Board of Elections now seemingly has been taking on a little more of an aggressive uh, stance on this. And what can you tell us about the latest developments at the Board of Elections?
1: I think they need to get a lot more aggressive. (laughs) It's unbelievable. So the Board of Elections, maybe a week ago, was looking into these signatures, and they were going to take time to have the signature role. The nomination paper's looked at and vetted to see how many signatures were of dead people or signatures of people who insist they never sign in the nomination papers. So that process occurs. The uh, majority of the board of elections said there's, quote, no obvious pattern of fraud, close quote. Other board members are like, what are you talking about? What do you mean no pattern of fraud? There's, there's dead people's signatures uh-huh. here. There's people who are adamant that they didn't sign these these questionable signatures. For were from specific communities. The signatures were gathered by specific members of you know the team that was doing this job on behalf of the Mattos campaign. So, at the last hearing, not the one most recently, one of the board members, Lou Simone, who's a um, attorney with lots of experience, he's been involved with municipal Candles. He's been counsel to different um, boards of review. I think he's counsel for the Providence Liquor Licensing Board. He's a very experienced guy. He said, let's subpoena in the people who allegedly took these um, signatures and ask them what they did. Right. Oh, no, we can't do that. Now that the, the attorney general's office is looking into that. So that gets voted down. At the most recent meeting, DeSimone is now joined by Randall Jackphony saying, yeah, 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 let's subpoena these people. Let's get them in here. Let's put them under oath. Other people on the board, well, maybe they'd invoke their Fifth Amendment privilege. <laughs> okay, let them invoke their Fifth Amendment privilege. Right. You can draw an adverse inference in a civil matter from that. And if they're pleading the Fifth, that might assist Peter Narona uh, with whatever he's doing on his you know, side of the the street with this thing, yeah. so the, those two maybe guys. maybe they know,
0: won't. Or maybe they won't.
1: Maybe they'll say this is what happened and this is what yeah. we did. We don't know until we get them under oath. So the two attorneys on the board who were saying let's bring in these people now and subpoena them, they lose on. I think it was a three to two vote. The majority said, "Well, you know, subpoenaing in these people who took the signatures." That's a good idea, but we can't do it till after the primary uh. election. Because if we did it now, it might be seen as election interference. Well, then the board should just like forget it and not do anything because yeah. the, the, the horse will already be out of the barn at that point. If, uh, if Sabina Matos is going to win the primary, arguably, at that point, no one's going to care what happened with these signatures because it'll be a done deal. Um, I thought that the um, bo- the Board of Election members who I this referenced, who were in the minority on this, had the right idea, but obviously there was a, um, a group of different interests who thought that that was too aggressive an approach i thought it was just the right approach so i mean the, the 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 news reporting might be that the board's getting more aggressive but in my view they have to get a lot more aggressive if they want to have any credibility
0: Tim Dodd, looking at a story that is uh, really rocketed nationally there was this uh, incredible movie starring sandra bullock called blindside about this couple that there was this young player and a young, young man and had all this gifted talent. Because of them, they adopted him. And movie did fantastic, huge block, blockbuster. And She won an Academy Award for it. He played in the NFL. And now all these years later, there's this controversy that he's trying to argue, I believe, that they they didn't really adopt him. It was more of a guardianship. And then they're striking back, saying that he's essentially been trying to shake them down and saying that if he did, they didn't pay him 15 million, he was going to go public in the media. It's, it's garnered a tremendous amount of of, uh, media attention.
1: Well, it's yes, it's, it's sort of a, um, it's, it's a story that garners a lot of interest and a lot of media attention. Um, The person who made the most from that film was the guy that wrote the book who happens to be the same guy who wrote the book Moneyball. And he's written other sports related books. So Moneyball, again, Moneyball was the story of using analytics to, you know, field a baseball team. And it was done initially by the Oakland A's. That film was partially true, but, Partially, it's a movie. So like the main character, Peter, who was the guy crunching the numbers, was an amalgam of a number of different people. It's a movie. It's it's a movie. It's not strictly factual. So this um, blindside movie is largely the story of the Tui family who took this guy in and the trials and tribulations of learning about him, his past, his time in foster care, you know, the dysfunctional life that he was living and how they helped him and he helped them. They learned things from him and vice versa. It was a wonderful, heartwarming movie. Now, in the movie, and I'm not sure how much is factual and how much is, you know, to make a better movie, when this guy was in the process of choosing between going to college and playing football I think the choice was between Mississippi and perhaps Tennessee I forget exactly so the family were all the Tui family were all uh, Ole Miss I believe graduates they loved Ole Miss they were they were benefactors to the school they were sports promoters and fans and all that stuff this guy almost didn't get to play football there because there was an NCAA investigation to see if he was improperly being paid off. Right. To go to Ole Miss happens often all the time with sports. You know, um, schools want the star athlete to come to their school, and they promise that you know they'll give him all special perks, in a particular college or that particular college. So apparently, at least the talking point from the Tui family is that they never quote-unquote adopted him, but they established a conservatorship for him because it was a way to ensure that the Tui family and um, the football player would not be violating NCAA rules. Now, is that a true story or is that a talking point which has been developed to counter this all in the media? Candidly, I don't know. Um, In the movie, they say that they adopted him. But again, it's a movie. So, okay, I'm sure it sounds better to say they adopted him than to have this legalese discussion of we're going to have a conservatorship. And here's what a conservatorship does. And this is why you're going to be allowed to play football at Mississippi. Now, conservatorships have gotten knocked around in the media. Um, I don't think this is a fair comparison, but the Britney Spears conservatorship, you know, dazzled the media. They were all over that story for months and months and months. This guy could petition to end this conservatorship anytime he wants. He made a ton of money playing professional football. Yeah. Um, the records, I believe, show that the Tui family didn't make a ton of money off of this thing. Um, they say they made 14000 a person. Other reports say they made $225,000 a person. It's certainly not millions, at least from what we know to date. And we do know that in the movie business, they have the um, craziest accounting. So a a movie can make a billion dollars, and they tell the people who are financial participants, well, you know, this movie didn't really make money yet because we had advertising costs and blah, blah, blah. And they turn a billion dollar movie into something that lost money and say no one gets a payout. So, I mean, all of those things are percolating here. Um, I think the cynical part of this story is also that this guy, Ora, is currently promoting a new book. So, wow, he's promoting a book and now this is a media sensation. So I guess he'll sell more books. But the litigation that he's bringing, I believe he's brought litigation or threatening litigation, I don't think he's going to go too far. Um, it this seems like a shakedown as you know, people in the Tui camp are saying this is just a shakedown. Uh, the people in the football players camp are saying that he was taken advantage of, um, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but I don't see it as a particularly meritorious lawsuit. If it went the full way, will the family settle with this guy? Perhaps for short money, um, but it doesn't sound like it's a case that has the millions of dollars of value as he's suggesting the family is stolen from him.
0: Folks, again, he is our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always. And we will talk to you again.
1: Thanks, John. Take care.
0: It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport restaurant, stopping in C. Marie, that historic white church shop local inside all quality products, vitamins, Herbal remedies, trusted companies, they understand quality, integrity. It's my health. It's all about your health. Local products, I say honey, maple syrup, beef, fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it in see Marie at It's My Health, 1099, Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you for your family there's vitamins for children all different types of teas all different types of spices boy what a difference it'll make shop local stop it and see the queen of health it's marie and it's my health 1099 mendon road in cumberland diagonally across from daverport restaurant right in that historic white church it's all about health it's all about your health at it's my health You're listening to the John DiPietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 909.9 FM. I want to commend, uh, boy, there's been a lot going on in the background regarding this bank robbery that took place. And police, obviously, for a while now, they've known who they were looking for. There was uh, a lot going on that now we're learning that apparently that the main suspects, there were three people involved, according to the uh, police, and one of them has already been in custody since late july and then it sounds like the other two have been on the run although you would think with that amount of money if you're going to pull off something like that uh anyone that has seen the town you know you see ben affleck getting on the train to go down to tangerine tangerine uh, florida and then or, or you watch heat where then de niro right neil mccauley is gonna get himself out of the area these people happen to be in Pawtucket. Here's the Channel 12 story. We
2: were there as Providence took two suspects wanted in connection with a heist at a Federal Hill bank into custody. I'm Shannon Heggie.
0: I'm Mike Montecalvo. Police took Tracy Delgado and Stanley Palmer into custody in the parking lot here of the Hampton Inn on George Street.
2: Target 12 investigator Alexandra Leslie has been on top of this story every step of the way and joins us now with the exclusive details. Alex? Well, after weeks on the run, Tracy Delgado and Stanley Palmer were finally apprehended by police for their alleged role in stealing nearly $500,000 from Santander Bank on Atwell's Avenue Providence back in June. But it all came to an end here tonight in a Pawtucket Hotel's parking lot. In this video, you'll only see on 12 News, Stanley Palmer and Tracy Delgado are being put into handcuffs by police. We're still working to learn how police came to find them here tonight, but we know they have been investigating Delgado, an employee of Santander Bank, for weeks. Police allege Delgado used an employee access code to enter the bank in the early morning hours of June 29th. Detectives say another suspect, Justine Fernandez, entered the bank with Delgado and took out multiple bags holding nearly $500,000 in cash from the bank's vault. The third suspect, Palmer, who police say is Delgado's boyfriend, waited in the car. Police say they drove back to Fernandez's house and Palmer gave her, quote, an unknown amount of money. A few weeks ago, Target 12 showed you scenes of police raiding a storage unit in North Providence, which police confirmed was connected to the heist. We learned in the last few days police recovered around $24,000 from that unit, which police alleged was in Fernandez's name. So now police say all three suspects wanted in connection to this are in custody, but we do expect Delgado and Palmer to be arraigned sometime tomorrow in district court. They are facing breaking and entering, conspiracy, and larceny charges. We are still waiting to learn from police, though, where the nearly $460,000 that was still missing is. They believe it, though, to be in Delgado and Palmer's custody. With the Target 12 investigators live in Pawtucket, Alexandra Leslie, 12 News.
0: Folks, can you imagine you steal? You're actually wow, able I'm to good steal good. half a million, half a million. And their idea of hiding out is yeah. to be at a, right off the highway, Comfort Inn, um, in, in Pawtucket. It, it just, I, I mean, the amateur hourness ness of this. Like, why would you not? So Providence just had to go to Pawtucket to find them and they're holed up in the hotel i'm just gonna like at the very least why why not go to massachusetts like go to the cape go to connecticut go out of state to at least just kind of get off the radar a little bit um my god or just whatever like drive to new hampshire just get out of the general area to make it that much more complicated i i don't know i mean she obviously she was the lead suspect. She was the one at the bank. I think it's interesting. The boyfriend was just the uh, the getaway driver. It was the two women that then went into the bank and took all that stuff out. And that Tracy Delgado, when the manager, whatever her mannerisms are, but when the manager actually uh, saw the video, that she has some kind of physical mannerism that they picked up on, whatever that may be. A type of walk a type of i don't i don't know they haven't disclosed that but it sure sounds like you know they've had them in their sights for quite some time but it is then interesting you know where is the money where is the money i don't again if you're going to be so brazen as to pull off that type of robbery which they initially did wouldn't you just you know get in the car and i don't know drive to atlantic city drive (laughs) out of the general 401 area their idea of hiding on the run so they she lives in Woonsocket they rob the bank on Federal Hill they actually get away with almost 500,000 in cash and then their idea of hiding out is to be at the Comfort Inn right off 95 in Pawtucket I just or even go to Westerly like go somewhere out of but you know, all right, so they were able to just get the code and get the money, but boy, that's where the planning stopped. But then he was the driver. Now I would imagine he would actually get the lightest sentence, but it still is outstanding is where is the money? They found some money in the house in socket and then they found just like twenty five thousand in that storage unit in North Providence that belonged to someone else. It sounds as though the officials really have had their number on this for quite some time and then have just been trying to pull it together, so to speak. But um, but again, folks, this day and age, I think, you know, a lot of the criminals, they, they underestimate the ability they have to read cell phones. They, you have the flock cameras. Um, I mean, this was, by all accounts, they did everything right with this robbery as far as able to access have the proper codes get the money and do all of that in under three minutes but then that should have been the hard part and then they seemingly just did not have a plan what to do after that and by all accounts then they i mean it sounds like the authorities have been sitting on them and then were able to get them fairly easily not not much of a getaway plane or plan folks you're listening to the john DePietro show make sure to find the john DePietro show facebook page and you can watch all the action on the scene live stream follow it all real time live stream just follow john DePietro show right there on the facebook page This portion of the program is brought you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food, and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Remember to log on to dePetro.com. We have original stories, original videos, also links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Plus, you can get some great merchandise in the shop. Log on, dePetro.com.